Welcome to the Mosh Zone, Episode 6, Week 6, Volume 6, Number 6. Big show this week, a lot going on as per usual. We've got the Mosh News, Mosh Reviews, and we sit down for a chat with Josh of Behind Crimson Eyes. First up is the Mosh News. Bit of a quiet week this week, not a lot going on. A few music videos here and there, a few album announcements. One of the big album announcements was Under Oath. Under Oath have announced that they will release a new album called Erase Me. It's their first album in eight years. It's coming out on Fearless Records and it's coming out on April the 6th. To coincide with the news, they did drop a new song. That song is called On My Teeth. It's a music video and it is Under Oath back on their A-game. Back doing what they do, the post-hardcore pioneers. Some call them metalcore. The Boys, as we said, it's their first album in eight years. Very excited to see what this album's all about. And very excited to review it in April when it is released. Other news this week, a big tour is announced. Machine Head are bringing the Catharsis World Tour down under in July. They're going to be hitting all the major cities, Adelaide, Brisbane, Sydney, Melbourne and Perth. This promises to be something special as we know Machine Head no longer play festivals. They no longer have opening bands. It is just Machine Head and it is Machine Head for a few hours. Make sure you get your tickets. We have a link and an article on our website. Get in there, find the link, buy yourself a ticket. Do not miss out on this. The other bit of major news this week was the Download Festival Melbourne, the very first download that's happening in Australia, which is happening on March 24th down at Flemington Racecourse. They did release, they released the set times for the day. So now you can plan out your day, really map it out, figure out what you're going to see, what you're not going to see. Having a look, there doesn't look to be much of a clash going on. It will be interesting to see what happens near the end of the night because at the end of the night, you either need to pick Corn, No Effects, or Arch Enemy. Really sits with where you are, with what you want to see. If you want the new metal pioneers, Corn, you've got them for an hour and a half. If you want No Effects, you've got them for an hour. If you want Arch Enemy, you've got them for just over an hour. So they're all going on around the same time. So really, that's going to be quite interesting. I do suspect everyone's going to be down to see Corn, because if you're going to download, you would be excited about Corn. So downloads all happening in March, as we said, March 24th. Tickets are still on sale. Surprisingly, it hasn't sold out. There's been a lot of talk and rumours it's because of the lineup. Some people saying it's too expensive. Whatever the case, it is a big day and it's a day not to be missed. Get out and support it if you can and if you can afford to. We have got an article on our website, including the scheduling, the set lists. Get on the website, have a look, and there's also a link to grab a ticket if you haven't got one. Other news this week was Light the Torch, the Howard Jones band that was formerly known as Devil You Know, have released another song called Calm Perform the Storm from their upcoming album Revival, and fuck, it is catchy. This is the second sample or second taste of their album we have heard and we are really excited for what's in store. This looks like Howard Jones is back in form, back doing what he loves. He's quoted as saying, Calm Before the Storm is just a fun song. It pairs well with good friends and a road trip. We hope you enjoy putting it on repeat. And fuck yeah, the Mosh Zone enjoyed it on repeat. We've already listened to it half a dozen times, can't get enough. We're really excited for this album that's going to be coming out. 
at the end of March, March 30th through Nuclear Blast. We can't wait to get a hold of it and give it a spin and a review. Bit of sad news this week, heartbreaking news came courtesy of the Ghost Inside vocalist Jonathan Virgil. He offered a heartbreaking insight into what it's like not being able to play shows. As you may or may not know, in November 2015, the Ghost Inside were involved in a horrific bus crash. Their bus crashed with another truck driving through El Paso, Texas. Both the bus driver and the truck driver were killed, and the band have suffered a string of dire and tragic injuries. It's been two years since the accident, and it definitely not only rocked the heavy music scene, but it has rocked the Ghost Inside's lives. The crash left vocalist Jonathan Virgil with a fractured back and neck, two broken ankles, ligament damage to his knee, a broken tooth, and another wound to his back. Virgil also battled a six-week setback in 2016 after he was diagnosed with a bone infection. He also underwent surgery on his ankle last month after the screw dislodged and came out of his skin. Jonathan has clearly not been having a very good run of late. He's come out this past week with a bit of a quote as to what it's like now for him with shows. He's quoted as saying, Being completely honest and transparent, going to shows is hard. And I don't mean hard in a physical sense, because most venues, staff, security, patrons and showgoers are very accommodating to handicapped or injured people. What I mean is it's just hard being there. It's hard to know where we were and what we could be. I admit I don't go to shows as often as I should, as often as I want to, as often as I need to, but there's a reason for it. It stings me. It hurts me. It's bittersweet being there. I feel cheated. I feel wronged. I feel obsolete. Seeing a band play and knowing we had it, knowing what we had, I had it. Watching a band play with a feeling of jealousy that I shouldn't have, but I just can't shake. It eats at me. I think to myself, I did everything I could. I was that kid in the crowd singing along, aspiring to be up there. I worked hard and I did it. I got there. Like everyone else up there did. So how come they get to run around on stage when I won't ever be able to run around again? I can't even walk on my own. I've experienced loss before, loss of innocence, loss of youth, loss of a loved one. But this loss is something I can't seem to do anything to cope with. It's a hole that won't close. It's like sitting around and watching a movie about your life, knowing how it's going to play out and screaming for it to be different. But you're not the one with the mic anymore. No one can hear you. There'll be lots of kind sentiments, comments, wishes and thoughts. They always hit me and the words do help. The support is here, absolutely. But it doesn't end what I feel. That's honestly and transparency of it all. It's like, would you go into something knowing the only outcome is heartbreak? You don't know what to say to that. That is so heartbreaking, heart-wrenching, gutted for the man. As a massive fan of not only him as a vocalist, but also of the ghost inside, it hurts and it pains me. Not only did the band go through the bus crash, but they have yet to get back on their feet. And by the sounds of things, I don't think they ever will. We here at the Mosh Zone feel for not only Jonathan, but guitarist Zach, drummer Andrew, all of the band. They've all gone through their own kind of injuries, and they're all struggling to get back on their feet. The metal community 
doesn't always get around and behind each other, but I know that the metal community will always love and support these boys, whether they're doing music or not. Unfortunately, this news was depressing and bitter. We do extend our love for the man and for the ghost inside. We do hope eventually one day he does get the ability to get back on stage and just rip up that mic. The scene is missing the ghost inside. They were a vital and pivotal point of this heavy music scene. Other news this week was Melbourne Boys Cold Ground have announced that they're set to unleash their debut album Destroy the Illusion of Peace in early March. The hardcore punk boys Cold Ground are a band to keep your eye on. They're going to be a very hot commodity in 2018. We're excited to get the album and review it. On our website there is a link on how to pre-order a vinyl copy or a t-shirt. Get behind this band, support your local scene, help grow your local scene. Also this week, Within the Ruins announced that founding vocalist Tim has split amicably from the band. Not only has Tim left, but the band have already found their replacement. The new vocalist will be Steve, formerly of Silence the Messenger. The band released a statement saying, Hi everyone, Within the Ruins and Tim have decided to part ways due to some recent and ongoing health issues. This is a tough one for us all, and as saddened as we are, to no longer have Tim with us, a new chapter begins. Tim will be passing the torch to our good friend Steve, and we are extremely excited for the future of the band. Tim also came out with an extensive statement saying that there was nothing but love left for him and the guys. It was done mutually. He also thanked that for the last 10 years he's had the privilege and pleasure of touring the world and recording five albums. He also said he just wanted to clear up that he's not done making music, so keep an eye out for any future projects from him. All the quotes, all the statements are online. It'll be interesting to see where Within the Ruins go from here. Being a fan of Within the Ruins, Tim was a very vital part of it. I've never heard Silence the Messenger before, so it'll be interesting to see how Steve, the vocalist, fits in. I'm sure he's going to fit in. Let's see if we get some new music on the horizon from them. We'll keep you updated with all developments as we get them. The other bit of news this week, the final bit of news we're going to talk about is the exciting Parkway Drive bit of news we had. They released a studio diary video that went for about a minute and a half to two minutes and it did include a sample of what of what could possibly be the first single from the new album. We don't know much. There's no details on album names, album release, single releases, anything like that. But there was a sample of a song at the end of the clip. Now, being the internet, there's a lot of people around there that are trying to delve in and figure it out. Now, an interesting thing that popped up was apparently people have Shazammed it, the app where you can find out the name and an artist of a song. They were Shazamming that clip in the video, and they have found out through Shazam that apparently that song is going to be called Wishing Wells. We're not sure if that is right or wrong, but Wishing Wells apparently is what it's called. We'll be interested to see if that is what it ends up being called, and we are excited just to any Parkway news we're excited so hopefully things develop and we get more details as they go through and hopefully we get a single and a release date very soon we'll keep you updated on all of that news as usual 
That's all the Mosh news for this week. As always, keep an eye on our website, themoshzone.com, or make sure you follow and like us on our social medias, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with at themoshzone. Keep in touch on those sites. Keep your eyes out on those sites for more information, daily updates, and we'll keep you in the loop with anything that we know as soon as we know it. Time for Mosh Reviews. So first one off the rank this week is the self-titled album from American Nightmare. American Nightmare are hardcore, and when I say hardcore, they are hardcore. It's your typical hardcore, frenetic, in-your-face, rambunctious sound. If you're not sure who American Nightmare are, their heyday was in the late 90s to early 2000s and they are very widely considered a very important band in the birth and development of hardcore. They seem to perfectly combine the crushing, aggressive Boston hardcore sound that we know and love along with lyrics and melody that you find in all of your indie-style bands like the Smith Street Band and Vacant Soho. They've had a couple of very important EPs and two of the most important probably hardcore records of that time. They were called Give Up the Ghost, but due to a lawsuit, they had to change their name to American Nightmare. Unfortunately, there was internal issues within the band and they broke up and left the scene in the early 2000s. When they left, they were really at the top of their game and their popularity was booming. We fast forward six years and the band announced that they were playing some reunion shows and after all of this time, they have finally released their third full length. This album is straightforward to the point. It goes for 20 odd minutes. It doesn't waste its time. It's straight into the assault. This is the kind of album that brings a perfect alignment of progressive punk with straightforward hardcore. This album, we've got American Nightmare really trying to get back in the game, bring back their A game. At first few impressions, it definitely doesn't disappoint. Diehard fans are going to love this, and diehard fans that have been waiting for this are going to be so glad that the band have been able to repeat their previous efforts. It's a big payoff if you stick with it, if you are into that very hardcore punk sound. The album has some very straight-to-the-point hardcore anthems like the song World is Blue and Lower Than Life. But there's also some curveballs thrown in there, as American Nightmare often do. There's a very misfit-sounding song, which is called Gloom Forever. There's also a post-punk kind of song called Colder Than Death. The vocals and lyrics are still desperate, pained and agony, and they still sound as raw as they did back when they were in their peak. If we have to talk about some negativity, is the nostalgia of putting on an American Nightmare album in 2018 is an exciting thing. You get very, oh, fuck yeah, this is amazing. It's fantastic that I finally got a new album. But you can't help but feel like there is in the back of your head saying, this doesn't quite feel 100% American Nightmare. It doesn't quite 100% match up to their stunning 10 out of 10 earlier albums. It feels in way, in a way just a collection of individual tracks thrown together on one CD and then they've kind of said that's the release. But that is also a positive because as I said we do have a new American Nightmare release. It is a more mature band and a more focused band now because they, they've had the ups and downs. They've been here, they've done that and now this is them giving it another crack. There's still all the parts that we loved about American Nightmare. It's still frenetic. It's still punchy, it's still in your face, time signatures everywhere, 
big riffs, big screaming vocals in your face. The thing about it that is exciting is that it's a comeback album that's done with finesse. A lot of hardcore bands that do comeback albums tend to fall flat, but American Nightmare haven't really fallen flat. There are some low spots, as we said, but it doesn't feel very flat. It feels very exciting. Yes, the album isn't as perfect and polished as we wanted it to be, but still, it's an American Nightmare album in our stereos that we can listen to. It is an important part of the catalogue for American Nightmare, and it is important to see where they go from here. It's blistering 20-minute love letter to hardcore, and unfortunately, because it's so short, once you're enjoying it, it's gone. It is strong. There are many influences and calling cards on this record that you go, oh, that sounds like so-and-so. Oh, that sounds like... It is varied. It is enjoyable. Lyrically and musically, it takes you on a journey that you never thought you'd go through another journey like this with American Nightmare. We do recommend it if you like your hardcore punk. If you like your punk rock with a bit of a faster, heavier feel, get into this. If you like your hardcore and you haven't quite experienced American Nightmare, get into this. We give it a 7 out of 10. Next album up for review is the new album Decimation Treaty by Extinction AD. Extinction AD have been around for a few years now. This is their second full-length album, Decimated Treaty. It is out now on Good Fight Music. It's an interesting time for this band to be releasing a second album because last year and and coming into 2018 we've got a lot of thrash hardcore crossover releases and bands and extinction ad are perfectly timing it the album comes at 10 tracks and it's very wild it's very thrashy and it's powerful political outrage and aggression is just exemplified across the 10 tracks the crossover elements are very in the forefront of the sound You can't help but know that this band not only love and idolise bands like Anthrax, but they also idolise and love bands like Madball. The one good thing about Extinction AD is they tend to find a balance perfectly, so it doesn't feel too thrashy, but it doesn't feel too hardcore. It finds a middle ground and it whiplashes all of those qualities together with some groovy punk rhythms and some crunchy big beatdowns. This album is fun. Like we said, there is a political undertone with the lyrics, but it feels fun. There is guitar solos in it. There's massive riffs, colourful sounding guitars that shift from composition to, to another composition. The drumming drives you forward, and the guitar and bass seems to transition between each other. They play a bit of duality, groovy rhythm fun. There is a lot of adrenaline, and it just drives you forward makes you bang your head, makes you sit up and pay attention. Don't get a mistake, in this band do not slow down. They rip into your eardrums from the start. There's choppy riffs, speedy tempos, frenetic metallic bashing of the drums and guitars. Their punk flow is also there. Every component of this band is felt through the speakers, whether it's the belting vocals, the big bass lines, the rapid drum beats, or the soaring melodic guitars, it all works in unison, and it all is felt. The technical playing ability of this band is also not lost, and the nostalgia feeling of this band is not lost. It's a very well-executed album, and it's a stellar array of heaviness and fun. Each song 
individually engages you, evolves and introduces you to something different as the record flies through 10 tracks. Wild record. As I said, and I've said it a few times, lots of fun. And it guarantees to get you ready for the pit. Extinction AD have crafted one amazing record here that really carries the torch for not only the hardcore and the thrash, but also for the crossover sound that they are pushing forward. This year will be a big year for Extinction AD. Expect some big backing from other bands. Expect bigger shows. This band can go places. If bands like Power Trip can go places, Extinction AD can go places. This is for fans of Power Trip, Iron Reagan, Alpha and Omega, Anthrax. This is for fans of big riffs, fast pace, kick-ass fucking times. This is an album that is sensational. That album is Extinction AD, Decimation Treaty, out now on Good Fight Records. We give it an 8.5 out of 10. Next album up for review is the new album by Turnstile called Time and Space, available now through Roadrunner Records. Turnstile have been a band for about eight or so years now. They're a band that technically sit inside the hardcore genre, but they're a band that you would say don't play traditional hardcore. They're a band that dip in and out of that sound, mix it with a bit of funk, some groove, some grunge, some funk, and they make their own style of hardcore. Frontman Brendan Yates drums for Trapped Under Ice. While Trapped Under Ice are aggressive and heavy, Turnstile are heavy, but it's a different kind of heavy. They're more about having fun, the groove, the feeling you get while you listen to this album, or any of their albums. They've made a name for themselves by bending the rules. They don't give a fuck what the rules are. They're going to go by it their own way. They go in every different musical direction possible. Their sound is always varying. And they have an edge to them, which some would say could be called a gimmick. While they don't necessarily do the traditional or the up-tempo style of hardcore, it's still in there every now and then. Songs like Big Smile come straight out of the gate with fast guitars, angry drums, yelled vocals. It's the stuff that gets that mosh pit feverish. Songs like Can't Get Away has a fierce riff that morphs itself into an absolute sensational guitar solo, which is something you don't expect to come, and it comes at you out of nowhere. This band, Turnstile, are having a very big impact on the scene, and it's great to see that this band got signed to a major label and also maintained their identity and still produced what they wanted to release. If I have to pick a negative, it's the fact that this album goes for less than 25 minutes. Every song is around the 2-3 to minute mark. This band could play this entire record as an opening band that gets 25 minutes to 30 minutes on a massive lineup. This album feels like an experiment, and in spots it feels like it worked, but it also feels half-baked. The psychedelic moments and elements kind of feel forced and thrown in there just for the sake of it. This record is not a bad record. Having loved all of their previous catalogue, I expected so much more. I expected an album that was longer than 25 minutes. 
This album will be very big with the scenesters, with the trend hoppers, because this album will be claimed hottest property going around. While it has elements that make it a hot property going around, I don't think it quite hits every mark. Turnstile do whatever they want, and that is a big endearing quality. I feel like there should have been a bit more throwback hardcore like they have done on their other albums. Time and Space feels like there's too much of the 90s funk experiments. But for all that that you can possibly say negative, there is so much going right here. This album will spice up the scene. It will make things better in the hardcore scene. Time and Space is full of a youthful energy and a daring spirit that you can't fault the guys for doing. There has been some thoughtful times in this album, but there's also been some mistakes on this album. Very enjoyable ride, just not quite perfection. So that album is Turnstile, Time and Space, out now on Roadrunner Records, and we give it a 6 out of 10. Our last Mosh review for this week is the new album by Feed the Rhino called The Silence, out now on Century Media Records. After blazing a trail and going from strength to strength for many years, suddenly Feed the Rhino went on a hiatus in 2015. The band cited the reason for the hiatus was to focus on personal lives. This came as a big shock for a lot of people who were fans of the band, myself included. They'd released three amazing albums, but there was an issue always with Feed the Rhino that it felt like they were never quite breaking into the top level of artists there was always something holding him back they had all this momentum behind them and then as we said in 2015 they stopped the big thing now is are they going to get that momentum back and keep going and keep pushing for that upper region of metal axe The other issue Feed the Rhino face is they're coming back into the scene in 2018 when a lot has changed. A lot of things have moved on, a lot of the sounds have moved on, and will Feed the Rhino still be relevant? Will the hardcore fans still hang around? Will new fans be drawn into their sound? The new album The Silence certainly brings a lot of uncertainty and it certainly is a make or break feeling for the band. Simply put, this album is their most accessible they've ever released. The band have always tinkered with the melody and the choruses on previous albums, but this time it's a big play on this record. It's a big momentum pusher. The album still has all the punk hardcore, the dirty southern melodic tones that they've always known for, but now they've taken that melody and really pushed out. Some people will say they're selling out. Some people will say they're pandering to the masses. But far from it. None of this feels forced. None of this feels like they're trying to be something they're not. Feed the Rhino have simply taken the next step, improved themselves, matured themselves. They sound tighter, more focused. This time off that they've taken seems to have given them the chance to recharge their batteries and come in hard. This album, The Silence, feels like the best overall album they've so far released. Time Wave Zero starts off the album in a very subtle, slow riff. It accompanies some voiceovers, some electronic beats. It's all very slow build, and then it hits you right in the face with a massive riff, 
unmistakable groove and swagger that Feed the Rhino are all about. It's then injected with some vocal barrage and pure venom, courtesy of Lee Tobin, the vocalist. In between all of that chaos is a big melodic undertone, and it shines through superbly. This song doesn't take you long to realise that one of the best on England's hardcore scene have come back and have come back to claim their spot. One of the different songs on the album is Losing Ground. It's a very relaxed, atmospheric, warm vocals, endearing chorus lines. It's a very memorable and catchy song, but it's definitely a different song than you expect from Feed the Rhino. But not a bad song. A very good song, very catchy song. The track 68 feels like someone's just bashing you around the skull with a bat. It's soaked in big, punchy bass, big riffs that get your blood pumping and swirling and really utilises that melodic chorus. One of the standout tracks for me is Fences. It feels like a perfect single. It's piled high with lots of riffs, big, contagious sing-along chorus, and it's one of the most catchy songs you'll probably hear all year. One of the catchiest you'll hear out of this style of band. Yes, this album has big melody, big chorus, and that is a factor that you need to accept that Feed the Rhino are taking forward. But the rampage, the bite, the groove, the attitude, it's still there. Feed the Rhino have balanced it perfectly. They've mastered all of their artillery in a great manner on the silence. It all feels natural. They feel also like they've learnt heavily from observing their mates in While She Sleeps. It's no doubt that Feed the Rhino have come back and have come back with vengeance. They don't take their foot off at all. The intensity never wavers. And the thought of seeing these songs live gets you excited about Feed the Rhino coming back. As we said, big riffage, chainsaw guitar sound, rampant rage-filled vocals, soaring choruses, crowd sing-alongs, slick production. This is Feed the Rhino on top of their game. Booming and wailing perfection. If you love your riff, you'll love this album. If you love intensity and sing-alongs, you'll love this album. If you love a mixture of While She Sleeps, Every Time I Die, you'll love this album. I couldn't get enough of this album. I was spinning it continually all week. In between my other albums, I was constantly playing this, constantly going back. It surprised me from the offset, had me hooked from the offset, and I couldn't get enough absolutely surprising and absolutely phenomenal so that album is feed the rhino's new one it's called the silence it's out now on century media we highly highly recommend it if you know feed the rhino you're gonna like it go in with an open mind if you've never heard of feed the rhino before and you love a bit of your hardcore with a bit of melody get into this album we really really loved it nine out of ten So that's Mosh Reviews done and dusted for this week. A lot to cover, a lot of different ones in there, some exciting ones in there. Let us know what you think. Do you agree with our reviews? Do you disagree? Is there an album you think we need to review that we might have missed? Send us an email, themoshzone at gmail.com. Hit us up on Facebook, Instagram or Twitter with at themoshzone. Give us some feedback. Have you got a band and you have a release coming up that you want reviewed? Send us an email, get in touch on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter and let us know. Let's grow this Mosh Zone community. 
Coming up now is our interview with Josh of Behind Crimson Eyes. It was a great opportunity to sit down and chat with the man himself. That's coming up now. So let's start off. So what brought you to heavy music? Like what was the artist or what was the moment, do you remember, that really made you like the heavy sound? Yeah. Uh, well, I, the first band that I ever identified with was Green Day, and that was back when they released Doogie. Oh, yeah. I'm not sure when that was, like in late 90s maybe. Um, and that was the first band I was like, whoa, okay, yeah, this is the music that I love, um, rather than just listening to whatever's on the radio. And then that sort of progressed to Blink at that stage. They re- had released Dude Ranch, and then I just, you know, discovered all kinds of pop punk, punk rock stuff. Um, but it wasn't until a little bit later on that I started listening to heavier music. Um, and I think the first band that I, I really liked in that genre was maybe Finch. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. So it, it wasn't a super popular band, but it was just something that struck me about the, that blend of melodic um, singing and then some heavier sort of vocals in there. Uh, and, but it still had that sort of punk flavour to it all. Mm. Um, so that was probably in the 2001 range. Um, but before that, I was just full punk rock. That was my, my jams. But yeah, and then it, it progressed onto all kinds of heavier music. Um, still, the, the music that I prefer to listen to that's heavy is melodic. So like the Kill Switch Engage or Parkway Drive style metalcore, I guess. So what made you pick up the microphone? I mean, what was the driving force behind that? Did it happen by chance or was it something that you naturally were drawn to? Um, well, I first picked up the guitar. Well, I'd played many instruments, but the, the guitar, again, was the first thing that, that really stuck with me. Um, and just, I mean, when we started a band back in high school, there was no one else that wanted to sing. So I just sung and... Um, you know, I wanted to be Billy Joe or or Tom DeLonge or, or those guys out of Green Day and Blink. Um, so it was just something that I did. Um, but it, it was nothing sort of more than that, that I idolised those guys and they played guitar and sung. And then when I realised that I wasn't um, as good as the other people around me who play guitar, that's when I th- sort of thought, okay, I'll concentrate on singing and you, we'll get better people to play guitar and and do that side of things. So now, that's what happened. back in the day, I mean, at the stage now with the band, the sound is kind of changing a bit. But back in the day, mm-hmm. you did the melody and the screaming. Now, with the screaming, was that something you had to take time to adjust your vocals to, or was it a kind of you just went with it and if you heard it, you were just, okay, I'll just move on. Because you guys were playing a lot of shows when you were really into that kind of sound at the start. Yeah, so um, when I first screamed and first tried it, it was just yelling as hard as you could. Um, There was no real technique to it. So I was just doing whatever I could to try and make that sound. And and at the beginning, yeah, I did. Um, Couldn't speak, you know, up for days after... um, playing a show or something like that. But slowly, not through anything other than just trial and error. Like there was, it was a bit harder back then. The internet isn't quite what it is today. So there's a lot of instructionals and 
a lot of knowledge on YouTube and, and blogs and whatnot on how to how to do some of these screaming or heavy vocal techniques. But back then it was just trial and error. Um, and I just so happened to, to find something that was um, sort of sustainable in, in that it didn't hurt my vocal cords too much, um, but still gave a bit of a heavy sound. And, and that's changed a lot over time. Back, uh, I think when we first started, it was a lot higher pitched, but now I've um, sort of had to relearn how to scream and it's become a bit lower. Mm-hmm. Is screaming something that you you treat like an instrument? I mean, and now at your stage of your career, after so many years, is it an instrument to you, or is it just like a natural thing now? Screaming? No, it, it it definitely is something that you have to practice, um, and there's definitely technique to it. Um, so, after taking, I think it was a few years off, pretty much touring or writing or singing at, in general, I had to go back into the studio and, and relearn how to do things again because all that muscle memory was gone and and all that built up technique was gone Um, so it really gave me appreciation having to sort of almost start from scratch again Um, I I knew what I sort of needed to do but I I just couldn't produce the sound and that yeah again it made me really appreciate just it is an instrument especially if you're trying to um, make different noises or pitch scream um against, you know, a certain note, there is a real technique to it. So um, it, it's also difficult to do it in a way, as I said before, that gives you some longevity. A lot of people that have to scream and um, sing at the same time, they get nodules and, and damage their throat. And um, I think, um, wasn't the singer of North Lane, he had to yeah, sort of hang up was. the mic because of yeah. um, issues. So... It's not uncommon to have that, and, and it's quite difficult. I, I would much prefer just to do one or the other, but um, I enjoy doing both, so it's a bit of a conundrum. Now, you said you were in a high school band, and then in around the year 2004-ish, if I'm correct, Behind Crimson Eyes started playing some shows. You guys released yep. a demo. Um, was that kind of was that born through the ashes of the high school band or was it a whole new band at the time how did behind it was a whole, whole new band and so i moved from a small country town to melbourne uh to go to university and through that your early university years it just basically spent partying so it was going to punk rock clubs um clubs that i didn't even think existed you know just for music that i liked so places like um and Switch, which were yeah. Melbourne staples back in the day. And um, that's where I met some of the guys that uh, started Behind Crimson Eyes. Um, and so it wasn't anyone I knew previously. It was just some people I'd met there and some um, another couple of people I met through other friends. And, um, yeah, it just started. We wanted to play something that had that heavy melodic sound. You guys really, I mean, I was in, I'm, I'm now up in Queensland, but I was in Melbourne at the time when you guys really came onto the scene, um, particularly around the time of um, the Noctur- Nocturnus EP, um, yep. when you also did Taste of Chaos, if I'm correct in yeah. remembering. Yep. That, yep. that time in the band was very big. It felt like from the outside, um, and the momentum you guys had, you guys really took it and ran with it. 
was it a was it a very exciting time in the band when you started seeing that what you're doing is connecting, but also that hard work is paying off? Yeah, it it was really weird because, as I said, I've been in high school bands, I've been in other bands as well um, since high school and before Behind Crimson Eyes, and nothing ever took the way Behind Crimson Eyes did, um, and you can't ever really attribute it to one single thing. It's always a a confluence of timing and right people and right sound and, you know, a lot of luck in it all and, you know, hard work as well. Um, so we were, we were surprised as well, but we, because we were in the middle of it all, it's hard to get a, um, you know, a really objective perspective of how things are progressing. You just, you're just going with it, you know, oh, it's another show or it's a bigger show or we're releasing a record or we, you know, playing with, um, ex, you know, famous band that we listened to in the past. So it, it was hard to really appreciate what was going on at the time. But in retrospectively, it, it was um, that that year was really crazy of a couple of EPs and things just really building momentum. Um, particularly here in Melbourne, uh, it, it blew up quite quickly. So yeah, you guys became. Uh, it felt really like out of nowhere. You became a name within the Victorian scene at least. Um, yep. And it was around the time of MySpace. So kind of my question with those years with things like MySpace, because you're now a band that's, in, again, back in a different state of social media. Back then it mm. was MySpace. That was really a new thing. New guys kind of were at the forefront of an Aussie band utilising it. Now with Facebook streaming, do you see it as a new challenge or does it feel kind of just like kind of like MySpace days but a bit different? How do you see the new environment of being a band now? Yeah, MySpace days was, it was definitely the, the beginnings of something uh, in the social media space, but it's nowhere near like today um, because, and primarily because of mobile phones. So back in, when MySpace was big, it just wasn't a smartphone. So people couldn't access it every second of every day. Um, so now, yeah, it, it's certainly a, a lot different. Um, you can talk with your, you know, uh, favorite artists or celebrities on Twitter. Um, you can, you know, you can reach out to these people a lot easier. So it's a lot different, I think, than the MySpace days. And unfortunately, during that transition, we didn't do a, a good enough job to sort of try and. Um, capitalize on what we built on MySpace and pull it across onto the other platforms. And maybe there's a lesson in there for um, bands that are currently uh, operating is that try and um, get your fans to engage in an agnostic platform so that you can retain your fans no matter what big platform comes in the future. Because, you know, we all know that um, things don't ever last forever. So maybe, you know, there's another Twitter or another social platform in the future that you want to tap into you got to try and bring your audience from somewhere so um, there's a bit of a lesson there but in terms of the streaming side of things um that's definitely i think a, a net positive overall i've seen many artists complain about the royalty structures and just not making enough from streaming but the costs for distribution and the and the um just ability to distribute worldwide instantly is i, I think amazing for us we didn't have to put our current two singles out through any label or any distribution or 
basically we didn't have to almost pay anything to get onto these streaming platforms and it's instant access to a global audience. So yeah, um, but that's, do you, I, I think it's positive. Do you think that, I mean, there, like I totally agree with everything you've just said, but one, one, my opinion on the negative side of it is that opinion, well, attention um, seems to be very down now. It's because yep. there's so much available, the attention easily switches off. So, I mean, I know that, the new songs that you guys have released, Stardust and Say Bad Things, you guys have kind of brought a new approach, not only with the the sound and the writing, but with the way you're marketing that. Is that an attempt yep. to maintain the intention, like you said, being very on on the ball, basically? Yeah, and you are right. Um, the fight for attention is hard, and because there is so much, uh, not only content out there but so much good content as well so everyone's had to raise their game on you know how you how do you capture attention how do you maintain people's attention um so we think that the way people are consuming media and particularly music now is in this more um you know favorite song playlist sporadic type way rather than just sitting down and listening to a whole album start to finish or um you know, they're, they're, the consumers are wanting more from you rather than just once every couple of years or something like that. So we thought maybe we'd give, um, give trying to release something more frequently but less of it and see how that works with our audience. Um, it, it just so happens that it also aligns well with our current you know, lifestyle where a few of us have families and, and um, businesses that we run and other commitments, so it, it's hard to set aside you know six months to write and record um, where it's much easier to do these small little stints uh, over a week or so every several you know few months now that leads me into the next thing I wanted to discuss which is obviously the rebirth or the coming back into the scene if you will of behind crimson eyes how did that come about because as you said now that life's changed a bit everyone's got a bit more on the plate you're obviously not playing live as much. You're obviously not mm. releasing music as much. But how did yep. what sparked the decision to um, after I think it was about five years, four to five years? Yeah. What made the yeah. decision to let's give this another crack, or we're not quite finished yet. Let's have another go. Yeah, yeah. So it's funny, and I, I got to take responsibility for this. I for a very long time uh, pushed back against the idea of writing. Um, or recording or doing anything with the band. I, I think it got to a stage where it was just pretty burnt out from touring relentlessly and um, just just all the obligations that went along with it and then all the other sacrifices that you make of not have, being able to spend time with family and friends and missing birthdays and whatever else. You know, I don't want, don't want to pay the sob story. I was out having a good time, but mm. it comes a point in time that, um, you know, that, that gets all a bit much and you just want to get back to a bit of normality. Uh, so I pushed back for a long time um, where the other guys really wanted to keep things going. But it, we got the opportunity to play with um, Alexis on Fire at the start of last year. And for that tour, we got on board a new guitarist, Liam Hennessy. And he's a younger guy, still full of enthusiasm. And, um, and, and he really pushed us to try and... Um, write again and, and maybe potentially record something and release something. And he started writing and started sending some ideas around and then everyone jumped on board and started contributing. And it 
seemed like the direction that was headed was really good. Um, but at the same time, I wanted to temper expectations a little bit and just say, look, if we're going to come back, we've got to come back for some other reason than just trying to relive the glory days of you know, 2004, 2005. Uh, and, and just because I feel like we've been there and done that side of things, I, I don't want to try and relive old memories. I want to try and create something new, do something with a bit more purpose. So we come up with a bit of a mission statement that everyone contributed to, which is a bit odd for a band, but um, perfectly reasonable for a business where you outline your goals and objectives of what you want to do. So we came up with, we want to inspire people to make a positive impact. And that kind of informed what we're going to write about and then how we were going to um, market the, you know, the release of the singles and also the the messages uh, within the songs and the, the subsequent charity donations of some of our royalties so um, so what i really wanted to do was come back not because i felt like um i want uh to relive the glory days but just to try and put some positivity out there and hopefully it it um inspires some people to do the same well that's i mean i've noticed the 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 content lyrically um and message behind stardust and say bad things is in a way, it's very it's refreshing in the the current scene that there is songs written with a purpose, as you said. Mm-hmm. Was that you mean? How was that taken? Because do, did you guys, when you picked back up and released Stardust, did you gain any of the old followers, or was it really just new? And did people accept that this is what you're doing now? Yeah. So, um, so I guess the the first part that there really was intention behind. Uh, the message within the songs. Uh, and it's been, we, we didn't know what to expect either. Like all those things you just raised, we had some, you know, trepidations about of maybe this won't be received very well, but mm. we figured, okay, if if we get through to one person and it has some kind of good effect and positive effect, then it's sort of worth it for us. We enjoy writing music and um, it's a process we hadn't done for a long while. So, We'll see how it goes, but the the um, surprising outcome was that all the old people really felt like it represented behind Crimson Eyes from back in that early yeah. era. You know, this yeah. heavier melodic style that maybe we drifted away from um, throughout the years, but it sort of re- um, captured some of those same feelings, I think. But not only that, I think lyrically I've always tried to have some purpose um, or some message embedded in there. Um, it's not always as obvious, but I feel like now I've, instead of trying to be so subtle, I try and make it a bit more obvious so people can get it a bit easier. Um, and then we had that decision to bring in uh, a couple of people from the outside from uh, other domains. So we had the, the uh, philosophy professor, Peter Bogosian from Portland State University. He wrote a really nice forward for the song that we released. Uh, that, that was for Stardust. And we did the same thing with David Smalley, who has a, a podcast and wrote something really nice for Say Bad Things. It was, was there negativity behind it? I mean, the heavy scene is, I mean, yeah. I, I'm, without yeah. saying it in a rude way, it is a bit over the top with their attitudes and macho-ness in a way. 
um, you know, this is yeah. what metal should be, this is what heavy music should be. And you guys are singing Stardust, if I'm correct, it's based around cancer um, and losing loved ones with cancer, if I'm correct. And Say Bad Things is about um, sexual assault and, you know, that kind of environment. Um, yep. Was there hate towards this? Were people, because that's a problem nowadays, social media warriors are out there. And the yeah, people. yeah, yeah. Was there hate? So, so the, I saw a few little bits of negativity, um, but it was pretty isolated to just a few people, like a sort of, oh, this is a soft band trying to be heavy. Oh, um, okay. But but not not particularly on the, the, the lyrics per se. So um, everyone else, the feedback we've had has been positive. It, right now, it, it sort of, my stage of the career, you, you've gone through a lot of the um, the negative side of things, and I know what you mean by um, how a scene sort of closes ranks and tries to, um, you know, say what bands should and shouldn't be included in their genre, mm. or what or what bands you should or shouldn't like. But um, it, it sort of once you're outside the scene, you just don't care about any of that stuff. I now look at music as music I like and music I don't really like, but I don't care if I don't like it. Uh, whereas um, I think in the past you you get some kind of, you, know, you feel some sort of ownership over a band or or a band that you like, and if they change in any way, you get you know upset over it. But, um, but it, negative comments now don't really worry me. I try to focus on the... the good stuff out there and put energy into that because it's really easy to focus on on the bad stuff um it's refreshing that you're at that stage because obviously being in your mid-30s you're able to look at it that way now yeah um you've done a lot of one of the big things obviously in 2018 is you did unify um you've also been a band in the past that has done the festival circuit i mean you guys like we said previously taste of chaos you guys did big day out you did Homebake, Pyramid Rock, um, always been on the big stage. That fell out of nowhere this year. And how was it taken? How was the reception with the crowd? And um, were you glad you did it? Did you set out to do it? There's kind of a lot of questions there, obviously. But Yeah. yeah. Um, it was interesting. Um, just after we finished the Alexis tour last year, and they, they were on last year's um, Unify Festival, uh, we had a message from Luke, one of the unified organisers, asking if we'd like to um, be on next year's, or, you know, the, the one that has just gone, um, festival. So it was something that would, had been talked about even a year ago. Um, and again, I wasn't sure whether we should or shouldn't do it, but um, once we knew that we were going to try to put out some songs at the end of the year, it, was, it made sense that, um, it all aligned with uh, the, the release of the two songs and then being able to play that stuff live. So, again, weren't sure what to expect, but um, surprisingly surprised. Um, that, that was two surprisings in a row. But, yeah, we were <laughs> really happy with how, how it went. Um, we played both new songs, some old songs from the EPs and some songs from Revelation, and everybody was singing along and it was great to see them sing along and, and get into the new stuff as well. Now, 
playing live, is it going to be just big shows now? Because you said, you know, you, you're approaching things in a different manner with the band. Is it now just going to be saving the live show for the bigger events or are you guys going to come out and do a few shows here and there or what's the plan? Right at this very second, there is no plan uh, for any shows, oh. to be honest. Um, so we... The the mission statement and planning went up to the um, up to Unify in the last release, and we are just in the the midst of wrapping up some of the the media stuff for the the last um, song, say bad things, and then what we're going to do is plan out the next six to twelve months um, based on what we think worked well uh, with the last stuff and what we think will we can accommodate uh, in the next six to twelve months as well. I, I think. At some point, we will do a national tour again just as a headline, but I think it'll be when we release a couple more songs and have something to sort of a package to tour, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, touring a single can be difficult because it's a bit hard to promote, um, but sometime this year, I, I think we will uh, do a national tour and... If anything big comes up, I, I think we will jump at that chance as well. Now, before I let you go, I've got a segment I do with everyone, and it's called Pick Your Poison. Yep. Now, it, it's pretty standard. It's you know, it's kind of like a would you rather. So you've got two options, and you right. uh, it gives us a little bit more insight into Josh. So um, we'll start off with hopefully a simple one, pizza or a burger. I'll go... Pizza. Oh, it sounded like you were going to say burger there. I almost yeah. was expecting. Yeah, it's a hard one. These aren't yeah. going to be easy. They're quite, you know, down I, the line. I think pizza you can sort of do whenever. Like if, if you put it in the fridge, yeah, you can grab it later. But a burger later, you know, no, no, never it's works. only good in that, that moment. Chicken or beef? I'll go beef. Oh, okay. Um, all right, this one, cinema. Or on the couch? On the couch. Oh, nice. Um, okay, beach or snow? Uh, um, I'm not a big fan of, the, of sand, but I do like the warm weather. And I'll go, I'll go snow. Because uh, I, I did there. like, um, I did snowboard back when I was younger. So okay. I'll do that. Cat or dog? I have two cats, so... Oh, that's cat. an easy one. Cat. Yeah. Um, now, I know you're a bit of a gaming person, so I, yeah. but I'm not sure if you're, you know, kind of aligned and committed to one style, but this is like a triple because I'm not sure. PS4, yeah. Xbox, or PC? A PC game, yeah. Now, what what kind of what's your what's your go to game on the PC? Okay, this escalated really quickly over the last couple of years, but um, I got into Formula One maybe yeah a year and a half ago, mm-hmm. and since then it's become an obsession. So I've got a, like a racing simulator set up in my house with the racing seat and the wheel and the. Oculus Rift and all that stuff. So you got the pedals it and everything. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it, it, that's it, epic. It got, it got a bit, got a bit silly pretty quickly. So you got to um, have your toys. Yeah. Got to have your toys. 
Yeah, that's it. Uh, next one is Terminator or Predator. Terminator. Ooh, straight off. Okay, now this one. Yeah. This one's Sly Stallone or Arnie. Uh, I'll go with Arnie because Terminator. Okay. <laughs> um, Slayer or Pantera? Hmm. Pantera. Now the last one here is this. This will be an interesting one. The physical CD or the ability to have it on your phone? Uh, I'm into the phone. I, I think I've listened to way, way, way more music since I've had Spotify than I ever did as a, with a CD. So Yeah. Now, yeah. before we go, I'm just going to let everyone know that, of course, Behind Crimson Eyes are on Facebook. There is on YouTube, Spotify, and iTunes, Stardust, and Say Bad Things. You can also get their previous EPs, their albums as well. Thank you so much, Josh. Really, really appreciated it, dude. Uh, appreciate you having me on the show, Jeremy. Thanks very much. So that was Josh of Behind Crimson Eyes. Thanks again to the man himself for taking time out of his schedule to have a chat to the Mosh Zone. Really appreciated it. Great chance. Great to get an insight into all about him and all about Behind Crimson Eyes. As we said before, if you haven't heard their stuff, get online, get a hold of it. We're excited to see where Behind Crimson Eyes go from this point. We're excited to hear more music. That is the show done for this week. Thank you, as always, for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed the show this week. I know I did. I know I had a lot of fun putting it all together. Coming up next week, we've got another big show, some exciting things in store over the next few weeks. As always, get in touch via email, which is themoshzone at gmail.com. Send us a message on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, which is at themoshzone. Enjoy your week. Stay safe. Open the bush.